York County is so much more than just a stop for gas on I-8. 17 County is filled with unique individuals with unique stories just waiting to be told. Welcome to the 17 County Podcast with your host, Emily Perry. This is 17 County Podcast. Thank you for tuning in for today's episode. Be sure to like, subscribe, and listen. This helps our podcast grow, and we thank you for your continued support. We would also like to take the time to thank our York County Development Corporation members, Agriproducts, Cornerstone Bank, Nebraska Public Power District, and Central Valley Ag. Without these great members, we wouldn't be able to focus on the growth and development of York County here at the YCDC. So thank you. Let's get to the podcast. So Jim Ulrich, CEO at York General, joins the podcast to share his unique approach to having a vibrant and forward-moving community and facility. Through his firm belief in community enrichment and business success are symbiotic, Jim prioritizes being at the table and staying dedicated to county efforts. Listen to him as he talks about his extensive experiences and what makes him call York County home. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks, Emily, for the invite. Always, always appreciate that. Yeah, no, of course. So just to kind of start off, tell me about you. Where are you from? Oh, geez. Uh, Let's see. I was I'm from Plattsmouth, Nebraska. Okay. And uh, that's, you know, it's south of. Bellevue, but it's almost today, almost really tied in, pretty close. And but I spent most most of my childhood in Omaha, though. Okay. So living in Omaha and going to school in Omaha all the way up to the eighth grade. Okay. And uh, I'm one of the probably one unique thing about me is that I spent three years in Winter Park, Florida, as a kid. Oh, interesting. So a lot of my friends uh, knew the back doors. And uh, behind the scenes of Disney World, too. Ooh. And so our home's Nebraska, though, and we moved back to actually to Plattsmouth, between Plattsmouth and out in the country and close to Louisville, which is close by, and went to high school in Plattsmouth then. So it was a long way around to get back to my hometown, uh, but that's just a little bit of my upbringing. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me about your family. What did they do growing up? Uh, you mean my folks? Yes, yes. My my dad is a is a retired architect. Oh. So he ironically, most of what he did a little bit later in life in architecture was with HDR, one of the bigger firms in the world, actually. Wow. And one of their main focuses is in healthcare. Ironically, oh. so you okay. know we didn't know that our paths would kind of cross, and I would actually be earlier in my career going into facilities as a healthcare auditor on mm. facilities that he designed and uh, you know and then they were built after that so it was kind of oh. yeah, my dad designed this and here I am doing an audit so that's kind of neat I mean yeah. what a weird tie to together with careers it, it, and, it is oh, and it doesn't help that well I mean I it's a blessing I'm glad that I have my dad's name because I'm a junior Okay. But there are some old-time administrators that would go, wait a second. Mm, Yeah. And I'd say, now it's my dad. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Small towns. Always have a little crossover. So what would you say kind of drove your passion for healthcare and going into healthcare? Well, some of it was by just chance, really. Because, you know, I can look back at my family and my, my aunt, 
was a nurse and mm-hmm. ends up that her daughters were all nurses. But I can't say that my immediate family was in healthcare. Okay. I um, was very fortunate to be uh, recruited from college into a public accounting firm in Omaha. And they, at the time, their name was Syme Johnson. And okay. they're one of the bigger firms in Nebraska for healthcare today. And now they've been acquired by I Bailey, which is a national firm. But that's another story. But <laughs> but I was recruited with them, and they were more slotted to healthcare. So actually, I did nonprofit audits and healthcare audits as a CPA. And mm. so healthcare kind of grew on me through that. Wow! So you didn't go to high school, graduate, and <laughs> no. say healthcare—that's that's the that end game. Is not and. I also went to school, as you can tell, to be a numbers guy <laughs> and a CPA. And so, you know, it's it's interesting how things happen in your life that you become something else. Yeah. And really, it took a longer road to get where I really was meant to be Absolutely. and everything. But yeah. it still stayed in healthcare through all of that. But yeah. Man, and walking through open doors, right? That is right. Yeah. 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 Um, so you did this huge accounting firm. What What was your career path like after that? Uh, it was. I was at Syme Johnson in Omaha for about uh, seven and a half years, and my next step because I was an audit reimbursement manager. My next step would be a partial owner in the firm, which would have been a partner. So I had a choice to go that direction, and I would more than likely still be there today. Mm. And Emily, that was that was in 1988 to 1994, to give you perspective. 1995, right around there. So you know that was a long time ago. If I would have still been there, but um, so you have a choice to either go that direction or go on the private side. Mm-hmm. So. You know, when you're an auditor, a healthcare auditor, and you go out to clients, and they were anywhere from the size of uh, a nursing home and a hospital in Oshkosh, Nebraska, mm-hmm. to where you had to call ahead when you were out there so the cafe had a dinner for you. That's oh, wow. how small they were, okay? Uh, all the way out by Lake McConaughey to uh, Children's Hospital in Omaha. Oh, was wow. one of the clients, too. So yeah. that whole thing in between. Very different. And um, and so the one thing that really drove me to that private side of accounting was uh, that I like to make recommendations as a part of when you're out in audit. How do you improve? How do you, uh, how do you um, become more successful as an organization? And then you would leave as an auditor. Mm-hmm. You'd come back next year and they may or may not have put in any of your of your uh, recommendations. And so I wanted to see things through right. on that. I wanted to be a part of the strategy and part of the improvement. So I made a jump and went to work for a, um, a lady named uh, Jeanette Wadalevich. And, okay. you know, she ultimately ended up being the CFO for um, for CHI Nebraska in later oh, wow. years. So she got to a pretty high level. 
But I followed her down to, um, to Madonna Rehab Hospital in Lincoln. And that was from 95 to 2000. And I came in as what they call the reimbursement specialist. Okay. Pretty pretty different sounding position, right? A little bit, yeah. Uh, definitely a numbers cruncher for all the different contracts and reimbursement methods that they had from government programs. Hmm. And I was the guy who had to navigate those and, and figure out what they were going to get reimbursed and everything. So that was, uh, as far as an accountant go, that was, that was numbers overload. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite something. But I was also a member of the administrative team there, and that's mm-hmm. what I really started to like, you okay. know, to be at the table making decisions. Mm-hmm. And even back then, Madonna had never dreamed of Omaha yet, even at that oh, really? point. And, okay. um, and really, one of the members of that senior uh, team that they had, they called it the A-team, it was about 16 or 17 people around the table for their senior group. And one of them is Paul Donjelli, who today is the uh, the CEO of of Madonna overall. Wow. So I've kind of brushed up against people that and worked with them that have gone on to uh, really neat things. And, yeah. And uh, uh, but I was at a crossroads about five years later, and that was that uh, if I wanted to go from. I had progressed from reimbursement specialist up to Jeanette's position when she left okay. to director of finance. My next natural step would have been the chief financial officer who just retired like five or six years uh-huh. ago. Okay. So remember, this was back in 95. So that would have, mm-hmm. I would have been there a long time waiting. So I wanted to be, at that time, a CFO, a chief financial officer. So one of my past clients started looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my past clients past clients was in McCook and they were searching for a CFO and we just decided to make the change uh, from a class B town uh, in Plattsmouth to a class B town at the time uh, in McCook and so made that journey just a mere three hours from here Mm -hmm. in southwest (laughs) Nebraska you're a long ways from things and uh, had two young kids at the time, uh, Sydney and Nate, and who today are 29 and 25. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember the CFO or the CEO sitting across the table from me when I started, or when I was actually interviewing at the time, and he said, uh, How long do you think, uh, you know, what, what do you think you could commit to being here and everything? I said, You know, I was trying to get the job and everything. I said, oh, I'd like to see my son go through high school. He's a younger one. We did that. Oh, Actually, cool. I was six yeah. months short of doing that. But okay. Jamie, my wife, stayed behind with him to finish when I was out here in New York. So I was out with Cook for 16 and a half years. Wow. About halfway through that time, I became uh, CEO. Uh, actually, only six years into it out wow. of the 16. Mm-hmm. And But we transitioned, the CEO and I, over a period of four years. So after I was there two years, everybody already knew I was going to become the CEO. Oh, wow. That's a transition <laughs> to dream of. Yeah. It really is. But I'll tell you, this is a whole, this is honestly a whole hour talk on this one part. <laughs> so we're not going to do this, but okay. I'm just going to introduce the fact, and I do this in different presentations I've had in the past, mm-hmm. authenticity. Yeah. And your greatest passion and strength 
professionally comes from being authentic. And when you can find that and found that becoming a CEO and actually very two different worlds, going from being primarily a numbers guy to primarily a people guy. Yeah. Yeah. Is a big change. Very. But that's the part that I loved. Planning, strategy, culture, developing organizations, being involved in communities. This is where this all got the birth from okay. that. That, I, that is part of how people know me today a little right. bit more. And But that, I when I give this talk on authenticity, I talk about sometimes you're climbing a mountain, so to speak. And only to find out that when you get to the top or the peak of the mountain, you're looking out over the horizon and you see another mountain mm. and that's the mountain you're supposed to be on so i was oh. on the wrong professional mountain went back to school got uh it was online way back when online so it was more archaic online <laughs> a little bit um and got my master's degree in healthcare administration and was the ceo mm -hmm. there in mccook for 10 years i always tell people and my kids definitely don't burn any bridges. Yeah. Yeah. So I received a call after getting back from a family vacation from a friend, a colleague that I had in one of my uh, healthcare groups that I was mm -hmm. in. Oh, just a decade or so earlier mm -hmm. when we were more involved uh, professionally together. And she was recruiting uh, for York as part of Brian Health, reached out to me and said, you remember what you told me about a decade earlier? If you're ever going to come back to the eastern part of the state, where would you go? You know, York was one of my choices. Wow. And it wasn't, I'll be honest, it wasn't as much for the town because I didn't know the town. Right. Yeah. It was the diversity of services and the wide breadth of services and, quite honestly, the professional challenge that would be offered by coming to York. Well, so I was recruited then out here in 2016, and I've been here ever since on that. And so I've been now half of my career as a, uh, half of my 35 to 36 years as a CEO. Wow. Yeah. And so that's, wow. um, so I got a few years of experience. You go from being the, the uh, newbie to you blink your eyes and you're one of the older statesmen yeah. <laughs> somehow. Right. I don't know if that's a good thing uh, or not, but, well, but anyway, yeah. I mean, from the outside looking in, there's some really amazing things going yeah. on at York General, yeah. awards that you guys have gotten. Yes. I mean, you walk through the halls and you can tell that the atmosphere is just yeah. very positive. People really care about each other. Um, and I think that you have a, a little thing to do with yeah. that. You know, it's... Um, you believe in strong values, uh, and you know ours are our core values. Spell out the words I care. They are innovation, compassion, attentiveness, respect, and excellence. And how you how we live those is creates our culture. Absolutely. And the culture is that feel. I tell new employees, and they come in when we talk during orientation about all this. I say. Um, what was the temperature? No, what was the, how did it feel, hot or cold, when you came here? And I don't mean the temperature. Mm -hmm. And they know, you know, what did it, was it a warm event? And they always say it's warm. It's, mm -hmm. 
warm and very inviting. I said that's on purpose. It's not by chance. That's how yeah. we act, and that's and you guys would be a part of that. And and you'll find that if you don't act that way, you're going to feel like you don't fit in. Yeah. And, and so I I will tell you, we are nowhere near perfect. But we have a lot of things going for us, and I am really proud of it, yes, and uh, because it's the team that that makes it happen, and that's the most gratifying thing. Yeah. Sure, you can have some influence as a CEO, but the culture is what it is. Yeah. Uh, And it's going to develop over time, and my job, I I guess, is to really fortify that and and show that in the way that I act, too. Yeah, absolutely. And... I mean, we already, I think, have seen a little piece of this, but you're obviously very, very passionate about your work and um, the people that you work with. What else kind of drives you, keeps pushing you forward, keeps you in York County in general? Yeah, yeah. The My personal values share a lot with York General. And I talked about authenticity, for one. Mm-hmm. You know, it... Uh, you got perseverance. Some of the other ones, in addition to the York General ones, definitely there's excellence, there's perseverance, there's leadership, there's um, uh, there's faith, there's mm-hmm. um, uh, I mentioned perseverance, but uh, and also the authenticity that's in there too. There's a lineage. Of, I write them down. I know them, but part of that in excellence and perseverance pushes you mm-hmm. toward your goal. And I definitely want to finish my career here you know in york god be willing and i think that it's really something that uh uh, if your values drive you to be excellent and you want to achieve the uh the potential and Mm -hmm. we haven't reached it It, it's that inherent uh people that are competitive know what i mean it's Mm -hmm. inherent like that and you're to an extent you're never satisfied in the professional world if you do it the right way you don't want to become obsessed with it, but right. you want to continually improve. And it's not just for you. It's for the people you work with. You ever heard of uh, servant leadership? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I also talk with uh, uh, our leadership academy on this. There's uh, just a talk on um, servant leadership. And I always have them read a book and everything like that. And they said, we're not going to be, I'm not going to be 100% this textbook mm-hmm. on servant leadership. But some guiding principles are, um, you know, center around the fact of if you're a servant leader, you believe that your success comes from the success of others, that you have the pleasure to lead. So if you follow that, one of my jobs is to mow down roadblocks that they mm-hmm. have to their success. And so that's another driving part. If I went through a given year and just did tactical things, just did things for us to you know, check off the boxes and everything, but couldn't reflect back on the mm-hmm. fact that, hey, one of my VPs really grew this year. Yeah. Or somebody else uh, uh, in, on the team, we've given them this opportunity to um, improve. And that's where our Leadership Academy comes in, bringing up people that are budding leaders and things like that. So that's where some of the passion is reignited, let's say. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've started some things here at York General. We're building things. We're doing that. But I could tell you on each and every one of those what that purpose is and why we're doing it. And it's all part of that vision to be the region's trusted choice for the improvement of health and delivery of quality care throughout life. 
That's our vision. That's supposed mm-hmm. to be uh, something, an aspirational thing that you reach for. Right. And there's a lot of work to be in the region's trusted choice. Right. You know, and, I mean, you've been a great partner, not only, obviously, of course, you're always representing your general, right. but you've also been very involved in the community through yep. YCDC, the chamber. I mean, there's yep. a million and one different things, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but what what kind of pushes you to be so involved in the community? Uh, I'm glad you asked, because that's something I'm really passionate about. Um, let's go back to trust for a minute. You might not have thought that's where I'd start this, but... So, community, why be involved mm-hmm. in that? Uh, I'll start with our organization first. Okay, we're the leading employer here. If you put together all the banks and everything, a cornerstone and all across the state, they got more employees. But here in York, we're a big employer. Okay, mm-hmm. We have to be, like you alluded to at the beginning, at the table. <clears throat> If there's a housing issue, if York General's not there, something's wrong mm-hmm. in my mind. Because if we got so many employees, we need to recruit some. We need to, to be there at the table to make it happen and be serious about it. Not just sit by and say, we'll just see what the YCDC does. You guys yeah. are capable, but darn it, I want to be there and be <laughs> a part of it, you know. And you guys are very successful in what you do. but. Mm-hmm. That strength and the way Lisa uses that and you use it comes from the board members and the members, too. Absolutely. And so being at the table, being representative, help to create a solution. I tell our team, too, you want to be at the table, but we also want to help set the table and put the menu out in front of you if we can. You know, yeah. Come with solutions and, and everything. So uh, one way to garner trust then, too, because we're working on these solutions is being at the table, seeing seen as a member of the community that cares, as well as a caregiver that you may, I'm on the team, I'm not a clinician, mm-hmm. but you people associate with me with that care and everything. And, um, and so by being at the scene as a caregiver, as a community person, and really other circles that you run, not just the YCDC, mm-hmm. but your social clubs, uh, seeing people around town, downtown, you're seen as part of the community and a neighbor as well. So when people see you in a setting of being an owner of the community and an owner of the hospital, I think you garner further trust and accelerate that. Uh, and so that's a lot where the community comes from. And, and, uh, and you know, it comes back to a statement that, uh, that I say a lot is that you need strong health care to have a strong community. But you need a strong community to have a strong health care as well. If you believe that symbiotic relationship, then you can see why, uh, as a CEO, you need to be in the community. Yeah. And I just happen to love economic development, too. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, I like the, the progression that you can help build a community, a stronger community, a place to live, work, and play. And then it fosters into the need for more things in that community, anywhere from schools to health care to so on. Housing, obviously, child care. Yes, we can yes. go on and on, can't we? Oh, yeah. So so hopefully that answered a little bit about the involvement of the community. And it helps when you like doing it. Uh, and you can now hear the huge need. And yeah. so anybody else who would be in this role, even my leadership team, I push them to become more involved in the community and they know why. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
At Cornerstone Bank, we are committed to providing you the best in banking products and service. With 46 locations throughout Nebraska, we are dedicated to serve you. Cornerstone Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Absolutely, and it's so important. And we've had great support. Our community oh, yeah. members are Absolutely, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, it's so, a great community, and, yeah. and it's, it's it's easy it's easy to be involved in in uh, in your. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so now I have to throw the really, really hard question that everyone, yeah. <laughs> everyone kind of pauses at. But what is a typical day for you? What What do you do? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, well, a, a typical day will have meetings certainly, mm-hmm. uh, and they go anywhere from um, initiatives that we happen to be working on in their committees to things like that to. Uh, to boards that I'm on outside of the community, like the Nebraska Hospital Association, uh, a rural health cooperative that we're in that has like kind facilities. It's more kind of a think tank and everything too. Um, to individual meetings with my VPs, and so in a in a, a given day, I've got those things. Plus, there's always contracts. There's always. Mm-hmm analysis that needs to be done on if we should go this direction or that direction and now we've got uh, we've also got um, uh, uh, building projects that are going on so those things are always uh, in the works and though thankfully with our with the dedication and knowledge of our team uh, I don't have to get involved in the nitty-gritty but there's always decisions on um, do we make this change in the project uh, we need to approve this payment. Are we okay with it? Um, so on a given day, uh, I, I will meet with uh, new employees in the morning, let's say, and then in the afternoon I'm meeting with the board hmm. and everything in between. So if you're not a uh, people person, if you uh, don't know how to recharge your batteries from that, yeah. you know, and yeah. then rush downtown to the YCDC and back, and, and uh, um, then you're just in the wrong line of work. So mm-hmm. what I will tell you, because my kids ask me a lot too, what'd you do today, Dad? All right, oh, don't you just sit in your office and do that? <laughs> so, no, no. It's um, uh, the one, the beauty about my position is it changes all the time. Mm. And it's whatever's hot on the plate or uh, stuff that runs uphill to me is the things that we've got to deal with. So uh, there'll be in one week, there's a few medical staff things that we have to uh, plan for, uh, uh, work through, to there's building projects, to there's uh, uh, board meetings and advisory meetings, to we have some YCDC stuff going on. So um, it's more of a time management thing and keeping a lot of balls up in the air. And the beauty about it is once you figure it out as a CEO, as an administrator, you know that at any given day you have to be okay with the fact that you can't cross everything off your yeah, list. Right. And uh, so planning and, and piecing out your time and your scheduling is a huge part of it. And I've got a wonderful administrative assistant that helps me do that. Where am I going next or what can I fit in? (laughs) Shauna, can you get me a schedule for this? Not this week, but sometime next week, okay? Yeah. And so, and if you're not excited about everything you do, then it's not going to be a lot of fun for you. 
So you have to find your reasons and sometimes make tough decisions like, you know, I can't Mm -hmm. do it. Yeah. I can't do that. I'm not the best at that. Saying no See, is I, hard. Yeah, that is hard. And but you 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 get better. You do yeah. not. I don't know if I provided any clarity to what I do. <laughs> no, but, that was good. But it's all over the board. And the right. one thing that I bring to the table too that not every CEO does. Some are more clinically based. Like let's say they're a nurse or a doctor mm. that becomes a CEO. I'm a CPA. Yep. So once a numbers guy, always a numbers guy. I <laughs> yep. I tend to get slotted on some boards into the financial side of things. <clears throat> so I do get some comfort sometimes on a, let's say it's a Friday afternoon, like, okay, I'm going to crank out this, this analysis. Bob, my CFO, doesn't have time to do it. Mm-hmm. Bob, I'll do it for you. So you, you get yourself yeah. centered and can recharge your batteries a little bit by when you still like to do some number stuff too. Interesting. Um, yeah. Interesting. I'm, wi- I'm all screwed up in my wiring. Apparently. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, That's, yeah. A That's a good thing. Keeps things exciting. It does. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of take a step back. York general kind of encompasses a lot of different it facilities, does. a lot of different yeah. things. What all is included within that York general? Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm really glad you asked that because there's, there's people that, uh, that understand it and, but there's a lot of people that don't. Absolutely. So our probably our well certainly our busiest campus is York General Hospital. Mm-hmm. And that's a what they call a critical access hospital, which is about sixty-six hospitals across the state that are the same designation. You're a smaller rural hospital compared to the big systems is what's probably the most important thing. And uh, uh, so we have uh, twenty-five beds on that because mm-hmm. that's all you can have legally. Uh, okay, that. but uh, but I, not a lot of people don't know that eighty about eighty to eighty five percent of our business is actually outpatient. Really, people that come in and get their service done and go home. Interesting. Outpatient surgery is included mm-hmm. in that. Sometimes you're an observation patient on the floor, and and uh, on the patient floor, and that's still an outpatient service because you're in and out in a day. Hmm. It's just interesting how that's changed over the years. So the hospital, the, the biggest, uh, uh, busiest component of what we do. Um, we have a campus uh, uh, that has a skilled nursing facility that today is 127-bed skilled nursing facility. It'll go down to about 109 beds after mm-hmm. our renovation because they're going to be mostly private rooms now oh, wow. versus semi-private. So that's what we're doing up there. Uh, so you got the long-term care sector with that piece um, mm-hmm. of the skilled nursing facility nursing home then just up the block from that is uh, Willowbrook assisted living which is a 40 room assisted living mm-hmm. uh, phase one of our project that is going to get going hopefully next spring would bring on 22 independent living apartments that's awesome and so uh, you step back after we get that that done and we've got three segments of a long-term care system then and that is the independent living that they could step to assisted living and if needed to go over to uh, uh, nursing home at that heavy heavier level of care so all those so we call that aging in community or aging in place where they could stay under our system for all of that mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so between all of those units we're all about uh local access to care, trying to keep mm-hmm. people here in town, keep people uh, for their services that they need. 
So uh, across the street on the west side of Lincoln Avenue and just a little bit up to the north from the hospital is, the, is our Westview campus. And that has dialysis, which is fairly new, uh, uh, that unit, but we've had dialysis for years and years and years. It was just in the old Westview building, so it's in a new site. And that's another service that if we didn't do that, you'd have to go to Omaha, Lincoln, Hastings, Grand Island, right. Columbus for that kind of service. So much needed service, again, that local access to care. Also on that campus, are um, uh, we have uh, a wound clinic that, uh, uh, that we hold over there. The uh, um, home health services are housed out of there. Some other support offices. We have a, uh, a partnership with uh, York Public Schools for their preschool program over there as well. And then downstairs, we have our own child care in that mm -hmm. in that area so it's a busy area also on that campus where we have hud and usda housing units okay. in the court the place and we have a small 12 unit uh independent living older apartments called meadowview too mm -hmm. so and we're part of the housing solution over there we have uh some duplex lots that have been sold in recent years too as part of that land over there so that's an interesting campus yeah uh, over there so to round out our services, really, we started um, a few years ago a joint venture with York Medical Clinic to build uh, an urgent care site. Mm -hmm. And that's out just north of Walmart, which, by the way, is busier than ever now. Oh, I'm sure. And, uh, and so that's going well. And so all those collectively are, are the York General Services that uh, it can really be through all stages of life because from our OB services that we have at the hospital mm -hmm. all the way through to the nursing home mm -hmm. and most everything in between. You can access about 50 different specialists through our specialty clinic. Most of the ologies from cardiology to urology are there. Yeah. And so, um, uh, so yeah, we, that's part of our mission, you know, to really provide that local access to care through all stages of life. And it's actually in our logo. That people don't really know that. So, really? Yeah. If you if you envision our logo huh. on our on our um, on our website, let's mm -hmm. say uh, the shape and the different colors stand for those different entities. So uh, I'll just visually show you. That people would <laughs> yeah. have to go online and look. But the kind of greenish yellow one at the top is the hospital, which is also the Westview campus because okay. those are hospital services mostly, okay? Okay. The dark blue is the Hearthstone. Uh, the light blue is Willowbrook. And I guess the white in the middle is uh, the urgent care. So, ah, interesting. <laughs> so, and that stands for a care continuum, that shape for us very it just goes around you just there's yeah. no end in it really and it just goes around and they all work together come together wow so i that's a story that we're probably going to start getting out more and more because people don't yeah. understand that and uh, uh now the other thing that people may perceive that and that isn't there's a difference <clears throat> excuse me is uh is uh york medical clinic is a is a separate entity yes so yes. technically just and this is not the way we operate, but technically, we are landlords for their space. I mean, that's technically our yeah. relationship. Now, they they are our um, primary medical staff. Right. So we have meetings and help to shape the way care is delivered at York General through them. 
So they are way more than tenants, right? Right. So we are partners, but we're separate entities. So sometimes we'll get calls and say, you know, your clinic did, and, okay, I'm glad that you can see that maybe, you know, we work close together, but they're separate. You need to call their administrator kind of thing. But we meet regularly, uh, mm-hmm. uh, she and I do, and, and we need to because I do believe that how they go strategically and how we go strategically can impact the success of both of us. And so, mm-hmm. and that's just should send comfort to the community that, uh, that you know, uh, we need to have a united front in, in care in yeah. our community so that's Absolutely. what we strive for but because you're separate entities it always doesn't work out exactly yeah. like you yeah. think on that so some people don't know that that's an important thing i think to point out as well yeah so Absolutely. hopefully that did okay on you yeah. follow that a little bit on <laughs> a little bit of everything right yeah, yeah. Uh, well and i know one thing that a lot of people don't know about and i didn't know until i started using it but you guys have a really nice gym we do the, the wellness center is something that is not really present in a lot of uh, healthcare organizations like that. And one reason sometimes that it isn't is if you have a YMCA in town. We don't necessarily want to step on that. So we don't really have that. We have other gym sites in town, you know, that are there. But uh, the Wellness Center has been around for a long time. And that is part of our health and wellness part of our mission, too, is to provide that. So... Uh, and um, really, I, I do have a passion for that. It comes from my, uh, my side with Madonna Rehab Hospital over mm-hmm. time and just seeing the impact of, of wellness and exercise and different things like that. Now, uh, sometimes I need to work out a little bit more here and there, but I, but I do stick to a routine and everything. Uh, but that's but my belief is really how we can make a health and wellness difference outside of just the general health care, but healthiness of Uh, healthy living of individuals and everything uh, through our wellness center. Mm -hmm. And so Chris Payne actually reports directly to me. Okay. And uh, the rest of my reports are VPs, but uh, because that's, we really see that in the community is a very strategic effort. A lot of, some people may not know, but a a former um, strength and conditioning coach of UNK is John Larson. And he has been one of our personal trainers for about as long as I've been here. And he, he does have some uh, contracts with York College for their teams to train them. And, oh, interesting. And, every, and also Hampton Schools huh. and everything, too. So he, you know, he can inch and get a few other things, but he only has so much capacity. Yeah, right. So, right. so we do branch out in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Chris Payne goes to the senior center a lot and does exercises with him. So it's kind of an outreach thing for us, too, for the betterment of, uh, of the community. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I mean... I'll go on to just a little bit more kudos to you guys because it's always very friendly. It's comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm never uncomfortable going there alone if I need to work out. And yeah. that's not how it is. Everywhere in New York is pretty good. But when I lived in Lincoln, that's not always how it yeah, was. That's right, yeah. um, but no, it's very friendly still. People always wave and smile at oh, yeah. you and talk to you. And awesome. it's just very friendly, yeah, friendly environment. Is, yeah. Good. But, good deal, yeah. Well, I think we're getting pretty close to being on time or being close to our time. So I'm going to throw some hot potato questions at you, if you are willing to answer. Very easy, very, well, hopefully they're very easy. Um, Winter or summer? Oh, winter. Really? Yeah. Cold? Well, I'll I'll just tell you from the, and it's supposed to be a hot potato, but uh, I love the holiday time of year. Ah, okay. I do love the summer, 
you know, for working outside and things like that. But there's something about the the Christmas and Thanksgiving time. And I think as your family gets bigger, because mm-hmm. we've got three little girls that we adopted, what, about, I think, three and a half years ago or so, along with our three older kids, and you mix in a grandson, that's when it starts to shift. Very special. You know, that, yeah. and when we can get them all together and and have a Christmas dinner and everything, that's that's why that winter time would be my favorite. Okay. Now, the first blizzard that comes, yeah. <laughs> I want to change that. Yeah, <laughs> Summer, right. But it's it's all family. Yeah. That's why. No, I, yeah. okay, I understand a little yeah. bit more. I thought you were a cold person. <laughs> but no, okay. Um, TV or books? TV. Okay. And it's... Uh, and some of that just comes from the wind down mm-hmm. aspect. I do like to read a book, but uh, there's something about when the kids go down and my wife and I can sit and watch a show, whether mm, it's just Netflix relax. or one of the yeah. other streaming services, and just relax. So yeah. I think that's where the TV comes in is that wind down mode. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I understand. Um, sweet or spicy? <laughs> I'm going to have to go sweet. On that end, I do like something spicy, but again, it's probably this time of year. <laughs> yeah. I'm a sucker for uh, peanut clusters, uh, Reese's peanut butter cups, mm-hmm. you know, you do that kind of stuff. Definite moderation, but I, I'd have to say that if you're giving me both of them, I'm probably going to go for the sweet. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, this time of year can be hard. But oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> that's right. It's good. Um, travel or staying home? Staying home. Okay. Business-wise, I do a decent amount of travel. And while I like it when I'm out and everything, getting home and having a weekend sometime with not much to do, you start to crave. Oh, yeah. Uh, Now, I do think upon retirement in the future and everything, that barometer may switch a little bit toward some neat travel. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but I'd have to say... uh, you, know, you moderate, you travel some, but the, you're going to look forward to home. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, farm or city life? <laughs> um, I like the farm life. We, we do have an acreage outside of town, and that's a way that on the weekends I can pour myself into stuff to do. And again, part of staying in shape, part of uh, breathing deep in mm-hmm. the fresh air and everything, and and you can see that difference you've made made in your place and everything. And I grew up as a as a farm hired hand for my grandpa too, so it comes back to that. However, the best scenario is to not be too far away from town. Uh, <laughs> because I'd go. love to come into town to go and eat and mm. socialize with people and be a part of everything we do. So here in York we have the best of both worlds. Absolutely. That, so. Absolutely. Um Live music or live shows, like plays? Probably live music. Okay. Do you have a genre? Uh, I probably fall to the 80s. Okay. Uh, And even since I've been in York, we've gone to some of the older uh, groups back then. And they're old now. (laughs) Uh, REO Speedwagon was one of them, I think. I've been to that. uh, But on the same token, we've been to... Wife and I have been to the Lead Center and been to Mannheim Steamroller oh, and everything. Neat. And I, so 
is probably going to be live music. Now, have I been to some live shows? Yeah, and they're cool. Mm-hmm. But if I, I generally we would if probably you had to drift one. that direction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think we're going to start wrapping it up. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for anybody listening? Oh, geez. Um, you know, the, uh, I'd say I go back to authenticity is, is, you know, uh, it takes courage to grow up, to be who you really are. Absolutely. And I think if you get a chance to do something or be involved in things that are authentic to you, meaning that they they encompass the values that you have and the direction that you should be going, you're going to be the best participant you possibly can be in that. And and I'm blessed with that. And uh, I believe in the profession that I'm in and the organization that I'm in too. So uh, because when you're authentic, you never have to fake anything. Yeah, and wow. so that's a that's something I've kind of tried to live by, and you can't always do it in situations, but you find yourself when you're in an unusual thing that maybe you don't wholeheartedly believe in. Mm-hmm. Are you going to participate in it as much? Probably not. And so, just uh, that would be, I guess, a word of wisdom is yeah. uh, strive to be authentic. Yeah, in what you do. absolutely. And the last thing I'm gonna make you do is one little pitch for York General. Why should people choose you guys for their leading healthcare services or whatever uh, yeah. they're looking into? Why, why York General? Well, I think it's the, it, it's the variety of uh, the services uh, through all stages of life that we do. And it's our culture that embodies excellence and uh, in a caring culture. I really do think that we are uh, we are at a strategic advantage at York General by having all those service lines that we have. And, you know, uh, if you have a good experience at birth and you need our services later, you're going to come to York General and say, do you guys have this specialist? Yeah, Absolutely. We, matter of fact, we do. Yeah. So I think, uh, uh, I, I, think our, I think that makes us, uh, makes us difference makers and everybody is to have that access to care and do it in an excellent, caring fashion. Absolutely. Well, on that note, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I know I learned a lot, so I'm sure they (laughs) learned a lot as well. Um, But we will catch you next time. Thank you guys for listening. Merry Christmas. In closing, we would like to once again take the time to thank our members, the people that help us drive change. We would like to thank York State Bank, Henderson State Bank, York General, Mead Lumber Company Incorporated, and York News Times. And thank you, our listeners, for tuning in. Catch you next time.